Hi there, and welcome to Crossview Church Sunday Worship Service. We're so glad you're here. Whenever and wherever you're watching it, we're so glad you found us. I'm Jen Oswald, Director of Outreach and Care, and I have a few announcements to get us started this morning. First of all, just an update. Crossview Church does not have any plans as of this time as to when we will open our doors. We've gotten a lot of questions and we wanna be sure that you all have accurate information. We are watching the situation closely and prayerfully considering when and how Crossview will open back up. As of right now, there's no date in place for that to happen. And we, as soon as we decide, we will let you know that as well. We are prayerfully watching the situation and we ask that you would join us in doing so. But for the time being, there are no plans as of right now as to when and how Crossview will open back up. To stay up to date on that, you should be on our email list. If you're on our email list, you've been getting those weekly emails and we encourage you to continue to read those as they're full of information that will keep you updated and full of resources that you can be tapping into during this time. If you're not on our email list, you can do that easily and quickly by going to our homepage and under the resources quick links, you'll find the place where you can do that. Sign up and you'll start re receiving those weekly emails from us. Thanks for doing that when you have a chance. Now, speaking of emails, this last week we sent out requests for the moms of Crossview to send in pictures of you and your kids, as well as one word that describes either motherhood or um, the picture that you've sent in. We got a great response, and in just a moment we're going to share that video with you. But first, I would like to take a moment and just say Happy Mother's Day. It's really hard to adequately wish a Happy Mother's Day to all of you because motherhood just encompasses so much. Um, and we need things and um, it requires so many different things of us at different stages of the of the motherhood journey. So I hope you don't mind, but I wrote something that I'd like to share with all of you. It's a blessing and um, it's just, I it reflects my heart for you and for the different stages you're in and, and what motherhood means to you. I pray that God meets you right where you're at and that he provides exactly what you need. It's called That's How God Loves Too, A Mother's Day Blessing. To the matriarchs, the grandmothers, the mimis, the jimas, time. Time to reflect on a life well spent, to sit in gratitude for all you've seen, experienced, passed down. Love with tenderness and appreciation for the rhythms of time, because that's how God loves too. For the mamas of little ones, the energy necessary to play, to teach, to raise. For the moms of teens, grace and resilience to navigate the process of letting go. For the mothers of adult children, friendship and a renewed appreciation for the rewards of motherhood. No matter what the stage, phase, or season, love the person your child is and the one they are becoming, because that's how God loves too. For stepmoms, confidence to love fiercely and freely, protection from the lie that you are less than. May you love big as no respecter of biology, because that's how God loves too. For foster moms, courage to stand in the gap with and for kids who are hurting, lost, scared, and rejected. Continue to love them in spite of the cost to you, because that's how God loves too. For adoptive mothers, wisdom to preserve what should be preserved and the resources to provide what is missing. Love without reservation and with extravagant acceptance, because that's how God loves too. For the bereaved mothers, those among us who live perpetually caught, caught between the here and the there. Permission to lean into eternity a little bit harder today, to grieve what's been lost and to tend your broken heart. Love with grief and hope, mourning and dancing, 
because that's how God loves too. For those longing to be mamas, endurance to withstand the spiritual storm waiting can become. Patience for the journey and surrender to God's plan. Transparency to be real with the Father, to lay your raw emotion and broken heart at his feet daily. Love with hope, love in spite of the battle, and love without strings attached, because that's how God loves too. For mothers with regrets and pain beyond measure, for those who are tired from the weight of carrying secret burdens, mercy. Mercy won on the cross of Christ, ransom paid, sins forgiven. Love in light of that. Love with forgiveness. Love with freedom. Love with no record of wrongs. Because that's how God loves too. For all mothers everywhere, those who have birthed and those who have not, gratitude. Gratitude for silent sacrifices, for lives spent serving, for the stewardship of beauty, wisdom, and peace. Continue to love with intention, with hope, with grace, and with purpose because that's how God loves too. Amen. Good morning, and thanks so much for joining us today. We're going to sing this song uh, to our our holy and awesome God, and I want you to just join your hearts with us. Uh, He is worthy of our praise, and uh, I hope that you'll just join us in giving it to him this morning. Let's sing this together.
Father, we come with hearts filled with reverence and awe over who you are, our holy and powerful and awesome God. We bow our hearts low before you, wanting you to be appropriately honored in our hearts and in our lives this day. God, asking that as we move into this time of learning from your word, that you would use Pastor Chris, that his words would be your words for our hearts, and that, God, we would receive them well. Everything that you want to do and say and speak into our lives today through your word, God, we ask that you would do that, and that your power would be evident in these moments that we spend together. So God, come, work in us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, hello. Uh, my name is Chris, and I'm one of the pastors on staff here at Crossview Church. Uh, and welcome. I'm uh, really glad that you decided to come worship with us today as we uh, just got done singing and now as we get to dig in to God's word together. Uh, happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. Uh, I'm so appreciative, uh, appreciative of all that you do uh, as moms. Uh, so happy Mother's Day uh, today. Thanks for spending some of your day uh, with us working through God's word. Uh, before we do that, um, would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we're so grateful for who you are. Uh, we're grateful for the way that you've chosen to reveal yourself to us through your word. We're grateful that we get to dig into that this morning uh, together. And so we just ask that you would uh, send your spirit to illuminate it, to open our hearts and our minds to the truth that's found here, uh, talking about how we can live uh, during this time. And we're just so grateful for uh, the way that you've shown yourself to us. And so teach us this morning. Uh, we love you and we trust you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, during this time of social distancing, I think it can be fairly easy for us to take our foot off the gas of our faith. After all, uh, we're cut off from other believers uh, who we need to encourage us. Our baseline of what's normal in many cases has been yanked out from underneath us. And even uh, if our home is functioning at a relatively normal pace, certainly the way that we're interacting with the world around us is anything but... When the apple cart of normalcy is upset, it can understandably be difficult to continue pursuing Jesus and temptations to go back to old vices can sneak back in. Alcoholism, pornography, gossiping, fits of anger. The exiles in the early church that Peter is writing to in the book of 1 Peter no doubt felt the same temptation to let their holiness slip uh, taken from their homes and surrounded by new people who didn't follow Jesus, a different pagan God at every corner, tempting them with something different. It's not much of a leap to think that those early Christians were being pulled in directions away from Jesus. After reminding the exiles and us, as he did in the first part of this chapter of their living hope that is Jesus and the inheritance that he will usher in at the second coming, Peter issues a very timely challenge in the second half of chapter one. Uh, a very timely challenge from God who says, be holy because I am holy. This morning's message is titled, Be Holy. And we'll be in 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 13 to 24 for the next uh, 20 or 25 minutes or so. And as we work through, we're going to consider this question. How can I be holy 
as an exile. How can I be holy as an exile? In case you missed it last week, Peter uh, tells us in the first verses of chapter one that he's writing his letter to those Christians who are exiled in the regions north of the city of Jerusalem. Likely they'd been driven out of their homes by the Romans or in some cases literally carried out. Uh, These Early Christians found themselves in foreign lands, separated from their sense of normal and from their brothers and sisters in Christ and from the ability to gather together and worship as they used, as they used to and as they desired to do so. Not only can we relate to this sense of exile in an immediate sense as we're prevented from gathering due to safer at home orders and COVID-19, but the whole Christian experience throughout all of scripture is likened to that of a resident alien, right? One who is living in a foreign land. See, the very best things that we experience in this life are but a shadow of what's to come, a shadow of what we are created for in the new heaven and new earth. And so our question this morning, how can I be holy as an exile is doubly important, right? Both In our current state, it's an important question, but also more broadly as exiles on the earth longing for the return of Jesus and his ushering in of his kingdom. We need to wrestle through this question. How can I be holy as an exile? And so as we work through our text for this morning, we're going to see three brief sections. First, a call to holiness. Second, a reminder of the cost of redemption. And finally, a challenge to love. So if you have a Bible, would you open up to 1 Peter chapter 1? And we're going to start by looking at verses 13 to 17 to see a call to holiness. Peter writes this, Therefore, with your minds ready for action, be sober-minded and set your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the desires of your former ignorance. But as the one who called you is holy, you also are to be holy in all your conduct. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. If you appeal to the father who judges impartially according to each one's work, you are to conduct yourselves in reverence during your time living as strangers. Peter gives five quick and practical ways uh, that we can be holy here in these few verses. First, he says, have minds ready for action. As we eagerly await the return of Jesus, we must be ready for action. One commentator says that the idiom used here is the ancient equivalent of roll up your sleeves and get down to hard work. See, our time in exile is not intended to be a spiritual low. Rather, we are to continually be prepared and to continually be preparing for the work that God has for us during this time. Well, how? A few weeks ago, Pastor Dan preached a message around meditating on God's word, soaking in scripture, right? I think one great way to continually be prepared is to keep filling yourself up with God's word and see how he uses that in your own heart as he transforms the way that you feel and think and act. And then watch and see how the spirit uses that filling up as it overflows into your interactions with those around you. First, have minds ready for action. Second, be sober 
minded. Not only are we to be ready for action, but we're to be ready for action with a clear and sober mind. Peter says, be careful what you're consuming. Be careful what you're consuming. Uh, Just as consuming much alcohol clouds judgment and leads to an unsober mind and bad decision-making, so consuming unholy content causes clouded judgment and an unsober mind and bad decision-making. I'm not here to tell you what you can and can't watch, right? There's not a list out there on some forum somewhere that God, you know, supernaturally typed on a computer and shared with us that says, here's all the things on Netflix or Hulu that you can watch, or here's all the websites where you can read articles. There's, that list doesn't exist, but during this time when more books are read and more shows are being watched and articles being shared and more content that we can consume exists than at any time in human history, be careful what you're consuming. Third, Peter says, set your hope on the grace from Jesus. Consume things that drive you closer to him, not further away. One way to do this is to ask God to help you see yourself more clearly, to give a more sober picture of the reality of who you are. What lesser things are you tethering yourself to for satisfaction and fulfillment? You might not even be aware of these things, but as you ask God to show you, he'll do that. And then as he reveals those things to you, ask him to reorient your heart, to point you away from those lesser things that you're seeking fulfillment in instead, and instead towards the hope that is coming when Jesus ushers in his kingdom fully. Fourth, Peter says, do not be conformed to the desires of your former ignorance. The old saying goes, old habits die hard, right? And I think unfortunately for us as believers, our story is very rarely one of salvation happens and then instant delivery from sin occurs. In fact, I think it's often just the opposite. As we recognize sin issues in our lives and as we try to cut those out with God's help, often the enemy doubles down on his efforts to try to get us to stumble and fall back into that sin. And resisting temptation and sin can become even more difficult. And so during this time when our sense of normal is unsteady and our base uh, of our life feels a little unsteady, heed Peter's words. Do not go back to your former way of life. Yes, being cut off from other believers is hard, but no, that's not an excuse to concede the fight and give back in to sin. Keep fighting the good fight and ask God and his spirit for help and keep reaching out to your brothers and sisters for accountability in the areas where you already know you need it. Ask for help. We're never intended to do all of this alone. We don't have to fight sin alone. We can ask for help. Do not be conformed to the desires of your former ignorance. Fifth, Peter says, be holy in all your conduct. In case those first four commands weren't enough, right? Peter issues this sweeping exhortation, be holy in all your conduct. And you may have heard other preachers say this, but all means all 
all the time, right? And so uh, Peter says, in all, that's your whole life, in all your conduct, be holy in your thoughts, in your actions, in your attitudes, in your interaction with God and with other believers and with other and with unbelievers, be holy. It would be really easy for me to overcomplicate this point and try to talk through the specifics of what holiness looks like. And in the context of the quotation of Leviticus, we could look at the holiness code and uh, look at what's called holy throughout scripture and get this picture of what holiness is and try to apply that in some convoluted way here. And, and actually at some point, I think it would be great to do that. I would love uh, to look at holiness and what that looks like uh, as it applies to the life of the believer all throughout scripture. But I don't think that's what the heart of God is here. Be holy as I am holy. In other words, fully resting on the grace of Jesus and his blood that covers you. And with the help of the spirit of God, work hard to conduct yourselves as you know you ought. Holiness in this context means living as God has called us to do in his word. So friends, get to it. Sixth, he says, conduct yourself with reverence. Conduct yourself with reverence. If, he says, or maybe since we appeal to our father who judges impartially, well, remember that he judges impartially. So conduct yourself with reverence. One commentator says it like this. He says, as father, he does not cease to be judge. Christians are not in a position where it doesn't matter how they live because they believe in Christ and all will be forgiven at the last judgment. On the contrary, they should live in this world filled with its temptations with reverence for God in the face of his judgment. Don't take your great salvation for granted. Instead, let the holiness of God and your knowledge of the judgment that he will bring cause you to revere him all the more. Well, Peter has just given us six commands to be holy. Why? Why should we live in a holy manner? And why, why shouldn't we take our salvation for granted? After all, we are indeed covered by the blood of Jesus. Well, I think Peter tells us in the next few verses as he examines the cost of redemption. Let's look at verses 18 to 21 together. He writes this, For you know that you were redeemed from your empty way of life, inherited from your fathers, not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of an unblemished and spotless lamb. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for you. Through him, you believe in God who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Friends, our redemption cost the precious blood of Jesus Christ shed on our behalf. We were dead in our sin and our trespasses and the punishment for that is eternal conscious torment in hell. When we break God's law, right? And we all do. We don't have to look far to see how we break God's law. The punishment that our transgressions require is steep. God in his sovereignty knew that we would need a rescuer 
Uh, but that rescue could never come in the form of silver or gold, Peter says, right? Lesser things can be redeemed for that. A ransom could be paid. Even a slave's, a slave's freedom could be purchased by silver or gold. But to satisfy the wrath of God, silver and gold would never do. Instead, it took the blood of that precious and spotless lamb, Jesus, the one who descended to earth, fully God and fully man, the one who never sinned, but knew betrayal and suffering like none of us have ever experienced. See, he willingly went to the cross on your behalf and on my behalf and suffered not just the physical torture and the horror of one of the most inhumane and barbaric methods of killing in the history of humanity, but he suffered beyond anything we can imagine when the one, as scripture says, who knew no sin became sin for us. His words on the cross, Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? Are filled with pain as he was cast from God's presence where sin cannot exist. That's what it took to redeem you. That's what it took to redeem me. It wasn't cheap. The great cost, Peter says, of our redemption should motivate us to holy living in the same way or maybe even to a greater degree than the hope of the inheritance that is to come does. See, Jesus paid an immense price. And yes, we have the hope of the resurrection. And yes, Jesus gloriously conquered death and rose again after three days. And yes, there is freedom found in him that's found that comes simply from placing our hope and trust fully in him. But that came at a very high and Peter says a very motivating cost. So why? Why live as holy during our time as exiles on this earth? Because our redemption came at a high cost. It took the blood of that precious and spotless lamb, Jesus. Motivated by the cost of our redemption, Peter issues a final challenge to love. Let's look at verses 22 to 25. He says this, since you've been purif- since you have purified yourselves by your obedi- obedience to the truth, so that you show sincere brotherly love for each other from a pure heart, love one another constantly because you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God for all flesh is like grass and all its glory, like a flower of the grass, the grass withers and the flower falls But the word of the Lord endures forever. And this word is the gospel that was proclaimed to you. Peter says, since you have purified yourselves by your obedience. In other words, since you've been washed by the blood of Jesus and redeemed love. Love from a pure heart, love one another constantly. See, the church that is the body of Christ should be marked with love for one another in spite of differences of opinion or differences of personality or differences of sin issues, both past and present. You name it, whatever those differences are, we're to be marked by sincere brotherly love 
for one another. Why? Because we've been born again and the hope of the gospel supersedes any preference or opinion or conflict or dissent. The hope of the gospel covers all those things. And we're called to brotherly love as brothers and sisters in Christ. Because you have been born again, Peter says, love one another. Well, let me just back up for a minute. If you haven't, if you haven't been born again, if you haven't come to a place where you've put your trust in Jesus Christ to cover your sins and offer you hope, I want to encourage you to do that right now. Everything in this life will leave you empty. Everything in this life apart from Jesus will leave you empty. And maybe you don't feel that right now. Maybe you don't. Maybe you you got a great job and you have a great family and you have great friends and you're living it up and everything feels really great and you don't feel your need for Jesus right now. And to be honest, maybe you won't feel that in 10 years. Everything might be going smoothly for you for 10 years. And maybe you will live a life, a long life where you feel satisfied throughout the whole thing and you'll come to your deathbed and you won't feel it there either. But I can assure you that in eternity, apart from Jesus, there is no hope. Apart from Jesus in eternity, there is no hope. It's as simple and straightforward as that. Peter quotes the book of Isaiah to illustrate this point. He says uh, in uh, chapter one, verse 24, he says, all flesh is like grass and all its glory, like a flower of the grass, the grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord, that is the gospel that was proclaimed to you endures forever. The grass withers. In other words, we're all going to die. And when we do, we're going to stand before God. Seminary professor D.A. Carson says this of this. He says, one of the great pretensions of human existence is that this Mortal life lasts forever. We live under that pretension all the time, right? We live as though we're going to live forever, that this mortal life lasts forever, but it doesn't, does it? Our lives don't last forever. Virtually every human who has ever existed has died and they're gone. The quotation goes on and says, the flower, which is the glory of the grass, fades Our glory, right? Our accomplishments, our name, our legacy. That's a big buzzword right now. All of those things fall, right? Your great, 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 great grandparents may have dreamed and worked towards leaving a legacy. And chances are you don't even remember their names, Family businesses, right? The dreams that parents have of handing down their family farms or auto shops or whatever are dead in two or three generations as interest from great-grandchildren is lost and passions fade. It all fades in eternity, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And that, that word, that word is the gospel that was proclaimed to you, the work and the hope of what Jesus accomplished on the cross and the truth that if we place our trust in him, he will give us new birth into a living hope and into an inheritance that is imperishing and undefiled and unfading for all of eternity. And so 
If you've been wrestling at all with your mortality throughout this whole corona thing, with all of the news going around, and if you've considered for even a minute what might happen to you after you die, please turn to Jesus. Turn to Jesus. He is the solid rock upon which our faith is built, and he is the hope that endures forever. And apart from him in eternity, all will be lost. Turn to Jesus today. So how can I live holy during my time as an exile to get back to our opening question? First and most importantly, by placing your trust in Jesus Christ, by recognizing that whatever you bring to the table, whatever good you think is within you is not good enough as we've all sinned against a holy God and are in need of a rescuer to to bear our sin and our shame. And Jesus did that when he went to the cross. And if we just believe in him and trust in him and place our hope in him, we can have salvation and we can be sure of what's happening in eternity. Then heed God's word and his call to holiness. Be holy as I am. Am holy. Third, consider the cost of redemption and let it motivate you towards holy living. And finally, as Peter says at the end, rise up to the challenge to love one another, motivated by the hope of the gospel that endures forever. Let's pray. Father God, we're so grateful for the hope of the gospel that you've shown us that endures forever. It's so easy for us to slip into temptation and to put our hope and our trust into lesser things that won't satisfy and that, uh, that we can't cling to for hope, Lord. But uh, would you reorient our hearts? Would you show us the areas where we're hoping in things that aren't enough and things that will fade? Lord, would you show us our mortality? Remind us that we don't last forever and neither do any of our greatest accomplishments, Lord, but you do. And so uh, if there's one listening this morning who's wrestling with where they should put their trust, Lord, I ask that you would use your spirit and speak to them and open their hearts and soften them to the hope of the gospel and, and the truth that's found in your word. And Lord, for those of us who have placed your trust in our trust in Jesus, would you just uh, give us a greater love for him? Lord, would you help us to sink deeper and deeper into the satisfaction that only he provides? Lord, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to Thee. Take my moments and my days, let them flow in ceaseless praise. Take my hands and let them move. At the impulse of thy love Take my feet and let them be Swift and beautiful for thee Take my voice 
And let me sing Always only for my King Take my lips and let them be Filled with messages from Thee Take my silver and my gold Not a mite would I withhold Take my intellect and use Every power as you choose Here am I Take my will and make it thine It shall be no longer mine Take my heart, it is thine own It shall be thy royal throne Take my love, my Lord, I pour at your feet it's treasure store take myself and I will be ever only all for thee take myself and I will be ever only all for thee Consecrated Lord to Thee 